This is CPX number 83, Indulgences. This is the Catechism of Pope St. Pius X, CPX, page 101-102, question and answer number 124 through 136. God give you his peace. In nomine Patri, Sifiti, et Spiritu Santi. Amen. Heavenly King, Consoler Spirit, Spirit of Truth, who are present everywhere and filling all things, treasure of all good and source of all life, come dwell in us, cleanse us, and save us, you who are all good. Amen. In nomine Patri, Sifiti, et Spiritu Santi. Amen. Number 124, what is an indulgence? Answer, an indulgence is the remission of the temporal punishment due on account of our sins, which have been already pardoned as far as their guilt is concerned, the remission accorded by the church outside the sacrament of penance. Number 125, from whom has the church received the power to grant indulgences? Answer, the church has received the power to grant indulgences from Jesus Christ. Number 126, in what way does the church, by means of indulgences, remit this temporal punishment? Answer, the church, by means of indulgences, remits this temporal punishment by applying to us the superabundant merits of Jesus Christ, of the Blessed Virgin, and of the saints, which constitute what is known as the treasure of the church. Number 127, who has the power to grant indulgences? Answer, the Pope alone has the power to grant indulgences to in the whole church and the bishop in his own diocese according to the faculty given him by the Pope. Number 128, how many kinds of indulgences are there? Answer, indulgences are of two kinds, plenary and partial. Number 129, what is a plenary indulgence? Answer, a plenary indulgence is that by which the whole temporal punishment due to our sins is remitted. Hence, if one were to die after having gained such an indulgence, he would go straight to heaven, being as he is, perfectly exempt from the pains of purgatory. Number 130. What is a partial indulgence? Answer. A partial indulgence is that by which is remitted only a part of the temporal punishment due to our sins. Number 131. Why does the church grant indulgences? Answer. In granting indulgences, the church intends to aid our incapacity to expiate all the temporal punishment in this world by enabling us to obtain by means of works of piety and Christian charity that which in the first ages Christians gained by the rigor of canonical penances. Number 132. What is meant by an indulgence of 40 or 100 days or of 7 years and the like? Answer. By an indulgence of 40 or 100 days or of 7 years and the like is meant the remission of so much of the temporal punishment as would have been paid by penances of 40 or 100 days or 7 years anciently prescribed in the church. Number 133. What value should we set on indulgences? Answer. We should set the greatest value on indulgences because by them we satisfy the justice of God and obtain possession of heaven sooner and more easily. Number 134. Which are the conditions necessary to gain indulgences? Answer. The conditions necessary to gain indulgences are 1. The state of grace, at least at the final completion of the work, and freedom from those venial faults, the punishment of which we wish to cancel. 2. The fulfillment of all the works the church enjoins in order to gain the indulgence. And 3. The intention to gain it. Number 135. Can indulgences be applied also to the souls in purgatory? Answer. Yes, indulgences can be applied also to the souls in purgatory when he who grants them says that they may be so applied. Number 136. What is a jubilee? Answer. A jubilee, which as a rule is granted every 25 years, 
is a plenary indulgence to which are attached many privileges and special concessions, such as that of being able to obtain absolution from certain reserved sins and from censures, and the commutation of certain vows. Thus are the words of the Holy Pope. So what is an indulgence? Well, in really blue-collar terms, it's an act or a prayer to get your amount of purgatory time that you currently owe God on earth down to zero, or you can apply that act or prayer to somebody who is already in purgatory. Now, I know this sounds so medieval that there might even be some good Catholics out there challenged by this, but realize this. Just because many people receive Holy Communion in sin doesn't mean the Eucharist is bad. Therefore, misuse of the Eucharist doesn't disprove it, just as the fact there were misuses of indulgences sold and things like that. That doesn't disprove their value. Now, one reason, though, modern Catholics can't get this, so to speak, is because we don't understand God's justice, that God's justice really has to be satisfied. We modern Catholics, even many of us traditionalists, we just think of our own human lives in terms of if we've been forgiven or not, if we're in sanctifying grace or not. And that's primarily what we should think of as far as when we're thinking about our soul. But there's more than that. We also have to satisfy God's justice because he truly is offended by our sins. And we have to pay that in purgatory. And there's also the healing aspect of purgatory that we have to go through. Now, before we get to indulgences in purgatory, let me give you another reason why we modern Catholics, especially we Americans, have such trouble with this understanding of indulgences. Besides the fact there was misuses in the Middle Ages selling them, and we all know what Luther uh, rebelled against. But you have to realize that we Americans right now, we're such individualists that we don't understand collective guilt or collective merit. Now, collective merit is like a supernatural power plant where, say, if your power goes out, you can borrow from the saints. Now, I know a Protestant listening to this notion of a supernatural power plant and merit and the merit of the saints would say, well, I just get my merit from Jesus Christ because his merits are infinite. Well, you know, they'd be correct. The merits of Christ, and especially the merits of Christ won for us at his passion and death and resurrection, are truly infinite. They'd, they'd be correct about that. But can a Protestant really say that, say, a Christian tortured for years in prison in China for Christ is actually going to go before God with the same merit as, say, someone who had a deathbed conversion and then baptism to Christ? Now, actually, even then, many Protestants would say yes. But they need only go read 1 Corinthians 15 to see, even in Scripture, I should say especially in Scripture, there's different levels of glory promised in heaven. And that's why saints add merit to this supernatural power plan of grace, as I'm calling it. Yes, it actually all, all grace, of course, comes from Christ. But when saints respond in heroic generosity, they partake in that merit by choosing to live supernatural and sacrificial charity. And God allows us to share merits with each other precisely because God sees life on earth as collective, not as individualistic. But you know, there is something individualistic about the state of each of our souls. We have to remember that and how we do go before God alone. It is true each one of us goes before God alone. Um, now, maybe you've heard the analogy, I didn't invent this, but we often talk about the soul as a plank of wood. And then let's say the first nail in it is original sin. Well, baptism pulls that nail out. What happens if you sin after baptism mortally? We would say in this analogy, that is a big nail in the wood of your soul. Confession pulls that nail out. What remains? Well, there's still a hole there. And that hole can be filled in by either purgatory or sacrificial love on earth or indulgences. We're going to get to that in a minute. But let's recap just baptism confession before we get to indulgences in case there's any questions out there. Remember, baptism gets rid of original sin 
and baptism gets rid of mortal sins, and of course baptism gets rid of venial sins. Now confession, that gets rid of just mortal sins and venial sins, not original sins. So if you're interested in becoming Catholic and listening to this podcast, go to a traditional parish to get baptized where you won't have to go through endless binders of paperwork to be a disciple of Jesus Christ and have your sins washed away in baptism. And then, okay, as we talked about before, confession does reduce time in purgatory, but it doesn't eradicate it. Well, here's where we get to that hole that is in the wood. There's three ways to fill it in. Dying right after baptism, not recommended because we don't know when we're going to die. Or martyrdom, red or white, white being a life of sacrificial love. And then thirdly, purgatory. I guess there's four ways. I just realized that. Fourth is indulgences. So four ways to fill that hole in. Dying right after baptism red or white martyrdom, purgatory, or indulgences. Well, that's our topic today is indulgences. And a partial indulgence is remission of some purgatory time, and a full indulgence is remission of all purgatory time. Let's just look at number 132 and 134 on the question and answer today since I've spoken long enough. Number 132, what is meant by an indulgence of 40 or 100 days or of 7 years and the like? By an indulgence of 40 or 100 days or of 7 years and the like is meant the remission of so much of the temporal punishment as would have been paid by penances of 40 or 100 days or 7 years anciently prescribed in the church. Okay, there's a lot of modernists who believe that purgatory is outside of time and these modernist heretics are wrong. Purgatory is based in time. However, it is not based in the time according to the indulgences of the exact amount of time in purgatory. And that's why we just heard that, say, if you were to do an indulgence of 100 days, that doesn't necessarily shave 100 days off purgatory. No, those numbers are, according to the Pope, the temporal punishment as would have been paid by penances of 40 or 100 days or 7 years as anciently prescribed in the church. So this is the amount of time they would have done a penance for certain sins after that, and then this is equal to that to get you out of purgatory, purgatory being in your own future. Number 134, which are the conditions necessary to gain indulgences? Answer, the conditions necessary to gain indulgences are the state of grace, at least at the final completion of the work, and freedom from those venial faults, the punishment of which we wish to cancel, the fulfillment of all the works the church enjoins in order to gain the indulgence, and the intention to gain it. Okay, so now notice one of the requirements to gain an indulgence is what the Pope just called freedom from venial faults. Now, I don't think this means you have to be able to say before God that you've not committed a venial sin recently, but rather that you are detached from current attraction to both venial and mortal sins. This is the one, of course, everyone forgets about, and it shows us why indulgences aren't magic tricks. Why, to skip purgatory, we also have to have some merit of our own. Oh, and by the way, apparently all the lists of indulgences were revamped or something by a modern pope, but I am going to close with a fun fact for you. I'm sure many of you know that there are many physical places of pilgrimage with plenary indulgences attached. I'm sure the Camino of Santiago in Spain that I've walked twice has ancient uh, plenary indulgences attached to it. But you know, there's only been one place that I've ever heard of that is a natural place, not a place where, say, there's the bones of apostle. Only one natural place that is alleged to have been a full, which is a plenary indulgence. This was attached before Vatican II. And where is that natural place? It is Niagara Falls. 
Not sure why that was picked, but someone must have explained to the Pope the beauty of God's creation there, and why can he bind that? Because of Matthew 16, Christ says to Peter, the first Pope, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This is why we believe in indulgences. And that was apparently enough for that Pope, when he was informed on Niagara Falls, for him to attach a plenary indulgence to it. Please say an hour, Father, for me. Et benedictio deum nepotentis, patris et et spiritus sancti, descendet super vos et mani et semper. Amen.